You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I have an interesting guest for you today, former Redskins coach Jim Zorn, who will be back in town on February 8th as the coach and general manager of the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. We discussed the XFL, of course, but also his Redskins days. How long did it take for him to get over this experience? What did he learn? Was he bitter? And then I close it out with a few thoughts. One leftover mailbag question I'm trading the second overall pick, and then a few thoughts on Vernon Davis retiring. But first, here's my conversation with Jim Zorn. And now I'm joined by the Seattle Dragons general manager and head coach and former Redskins coach Jim Zorn. Always an interesting guy to talk to, was a very good player in his career. If you guys don't remember him, go look at the stats. Of all these mobile quarterbacks these days, Zorn was uh, was almost not a pioneer, but one of the early ones and was very good at it. So, Jim, thank you for joining me. And I want to start with this. You know, you were out of the you were out of the coaching game for a while. Why did you want to get back in? Well, I think uh, partly I, I I had continued on uh, even though I wasn't on the staff. I was coaching individual QBs, and I think I bugged my wife for a couple years uh you know talking about football uh not so much trying to get her to understand it but uh, i think she saw that i still had passion for it i really enjoyed um working individually with the quarterbacks that i um i was working with locally and around the nation so uh, when the opportunity of this league came up uh oliver luck really was one of the key reasons that uh, I came into the league because he had to finally convince me that uh, this was uh, there was a, a team going to be in Seattle and he gave me the opportunity to be the head coach of it and uh, to, uh, you know explain what the goals of the league was going to be and um, uh, you know I, I jumped in I'm glad I did as well and I was going to ask you, you, you have your first game coming up this weekend in Washington against the D.C. Defenders. What have you enjoyed thus far about working with these XFL players? Yeah, I think that every XFL player that is here is here because he wants to improve himself and wants to show what he can do. He wants, you know, they all, uh, a lot of them have a little chip on their shoulder for either being disappointed in, in an experience of trying to get into the NFL or try to play at these high levels. And then even the, uh, I think the Alliance League, as it was going along, when it went uh, defunct, these players were beginning to improve. So the, des- 
there's a strong desire uh, in these players. And then the other part of this thing is to see a co- my coaching staff or all these coaching staffs, I'm sure, have coaches that either have been uh, out for a year right. or they've, they've uh, gone from the NCAA to the XFL now and trying to work, work their way uh, in, in their careers to uh, win championships wherever they're at, at a higher level. Is there something with the way the XFL is going to be structured that you kind that really kind of appeals to you? Um, well, I that's a that's a good question. I, I don't know. You know, foot. You know, playing the game and trying to help players get better and to watch coach, watch coaches teach and help their own individual players get better. You know, that's that's a big part of it. I don't know if it's um, especially the XFL, right. if you will. What I like about, what I love about how the league is is growing and evolving, if you will, is we're, we have got uh, a pretty good motto, if you think about it. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, Vince McMahon, uh, who owns the league, uh, started was for the love of the game, uh, actually for the love of football. And you know that's a big part of it with our players and our coaches uh you have to really love it to play this game because it, uh it's hard it's really hard to work together as a team and to do this over and over you know our job is to help our players punish themselves right. <laughs> make sacrifices and things like that and uh you, you gotta love that part of it to to be able to do it for a long period of time. There's also, I, I'm guessing, something with your your nature seems to be somebody who's not afraid to try something new. I mean, just in, I, I've forgotten some of the stuff that you used to be involved in, like college badminton. You're on the college badminton team. You're, you're speed skating. You know, you're one of the first guys riding the Zamboni machine. You seem to like to do some different things, and I wonder if that part appealed to you too to be part of a startup like this. Yes, uh, you have you have researched me way way back, right? Uh, and I have I have done all those things. Really enjoyed them, but that's really uh, an interesting aspect because I think my wife tells me all the time, you know, how why do you want to take a risk with all these new things? And I guess um, number one, I'm, I I I do take risks, but you know, life's about that. I try to I I don't I try to stay alive, right? I'm not taking risks for you know to uh risk life limb and family but um i do like uh to try new things and i like to follow through right. that's really one of the things as well I, I like to get better at you know at these new things uh, you try because i know in the beginning um it could be embarrassing I, I, when you start surfing it's not like you just get up and you got to be willing to be embarrassed a little bit before you can really get better and show what your real talent is. Absolutely. I'm curious too, during this interim, when you're coaching, you know, the individual quarterbacks and all that, did you try to get back into the NFL? Oh yeah, uh, I, I have. And some of the opportunities I, I have just turned down uh, because it's not just getting in at all costs. Uh, you know, so I've turned down certain situations okay. But uh, the, I guess the right situation, there wasn't any any real solid situation that would come up where I felt like, yes, this is this is for me. If one came up in the future, uh, 
who knows? I, I'm, I'm still, uh, I still feel like, you know, I think all, maybe not all guys, but in my mind, shoot, I could still play. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm sniffing because uh, it's probably not true, but you know, <laughs> in your mind, you kind of get this idea that you can just continue on. So, uh, passion's there. I'm not doing it because I feel like I can't do anything else. Uh, I do feel like I'm, uh, you know, it's a significant time in these young men's lives, and I'm hoping to influence it in a positive way and help these coaches come together and uh, improve their skill level, and uh, maybe they'll get to other places. Right. So. I'm only concentrating on on what I'm doing right now. Sure, and that's all. That seems to be what you've always done. But I, you know, when you're talking about like even just like looking at the right spots, I mean, is it more? Are you looking for? Would, were you looking for a specific position, title, you know, OC, or just like more of a team fit, or what is it? Yeah, I I would uh, I would think my skill set is uh, coaching, teaching, uh, being um, you know having re- responsibility and. Um, that's what I would be continuing to look for. Okay. And it, it, if it's a perfect situation, great. Uh, but it, you know, that's not really what. Uh, uh, why you take a job? It's not trying to set things up. It's really trying to grow in into the staff you're right. in and and what you're doing and becoming better each day. That's that's the idea of uh, being a part of the staff. What did you learn about yourself after coaching in Washington? Uh, boy, well, I, I would imagine I learned. Uh, I've been learning a lot of things uh, after Washington. Um, yeah, I think that there was a lot of things, a lot of takeaway uh, from that. You know, for me, it, it was being just being, you know, un, you know, I had unfinished business, trying to develop, help develop a, a group and uh, continue to grow and and learn, and uh, I didn't get the chance to uh, finish what I started there. And, you, and that that's got to be a hard feeling for you. But are there things that you learn just even as being just being a head coach that now you're applying to what you're doing now yeah and i think uh, being a head coach and uh watching the staff work and making sure the staff has everything they need so that uh as they're training either the uh the the entire offense or defense or special teams supporting them and then uh knowing what we're doing and and uh trying to uh always ask questions to myself and to the staff about what what we're doing and why, how we're doing it and, you know, making sure that uh, they're supported, making sure it's, it's sound, and making sure it all fits together. So when we go out and play, you know, we all know, we all, you know, have the same, uh, uh, the same goals and the same efforts uh, in all three phases. And you had told a newspaper in Spokane recently that you felt you were in your element as a head coach um, back yeah. then. Why, and this is, I don't mean this neither, but why did you feel that way? What, what told you that? Yeah, and what, I think what told me that was when I went to work every day, I felt like, uh, uh, you know, because of 
be, you know, because of all the interactions throughout the day with uh, individual coaches, with individual staff members, uh, you know, I felt like I, you know, I never felt out of place okay. in any of the environment uh, environments that I, you know, that a head coach has to be in, whether it's working with staff on on or off the field, working with, uh, you know, the, the business part of it, the media part of it, and then with the players and, and the coaches. I, I just felt like, uh, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it and felt like I was, you know, I had some capabilities in all those arenas. And obviously, Jim, we, I, we, I don't want to rehash all the stuff that happened there, but like when you say you're happy you did it and it was a good experience, there was a lot of stuff that went on here that would have torn up other people. Why didn't it do that for you? Well, uh, one, of the, one of the things is, uh, and, and this was one of our, our coaches, uh, a guy named Sherman Smith, and yep. he was my, my offensive coordinator, really a solid a solid coach, a solid uh, man, if you will. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, he always cited was that, uh, you know, when adversity strikes, uh, you get to really find out what your belief system mm-hmm. is. And, you know, because a lot of people talk about, hey, we got to stick with this. We got to last. We got to we got to uh, work through all the issues and, and uh, we can't just give up, uh, you know, what, what we believe in. And, uh, I think that was probably one of the major things that that I learned is when you coach, even when you're winning, there's adversity. Yeah, always. Uh, and then when you're losing, it's trying to keep that team focused and not lose sight of what your you know what your goals are. And and uh, I, I think those things uh, meant a lot to me as as we work through all the difficult times and even the great times. That we had. Yeah, you guys start off very well. That was <laughs> it was it was rolling and some injuries hit and it just but it, I, I'm also curious how you view it because and again I'm not, I'm not rehashing specific incident or anything like that but like I you know they gave you a great opportunity but then there were some things that happened that second year that would could leave, again leave a lot of people bitter. Was it hard not to be bitter or, or did you just view it as hey this is a good opportunity and I'm just going to move on? Well, uh, I, I didn't take light of anything that happened, uh, but. I didn't want to hash it out through right. the through media um, and through you know just trying to complain about or or have excuses about what didn't happen or what happened and all that kind of stuff. And I think if, if you dig, you can you can see you know you can see right. kind of things that that did happen. So it's not about just uh, uh, shaking the dust off my feet or clapping my hands and. Moving on, I, I had to really think about what what the experiences were, and 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 take all the you know all the experiences, whether they they were great or whether they were difficult, and just uh, you know become a better person because of it, and a better coach and a better you know uh, in whatever circumstance I'm in, you know whatever the situation calls for. Those are the things that help, I think, a person grow. And you always seen somebody who's been a con- in a constant growth pattern throughout your life, whether new experiences or anything like that. So was there a part here that was harder to overcome for you mentally? I, I think there probably, uh, there probably were some uh, difficult things that were harder than other things, but I, I'm not, I'm not, 
I wouldn't whine about anything. Yeah, that's not that's never been your nature, true. I'm, and no. I, I got two more things for you too. Then, because again, you got thrust into position here, and it was you go from a quarterbacks coach to this big leap. You think you're here as an OC. Is there ever a part of you that wonders? I wonder if I had been an OC for a couple of years and then moved up and you know proved this, moved up over here. What could it, things have gone differently for yeah. me at all? Do you ever wonder that? Oh yeah, yeah. But um, that wasn't it. So I, 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 you can wonder it, but that's you know I think you've got to play the circumstances. If the, if uh, you could predict the future, a lot of people <laughs> yeah. would do probably different things. Absolutely, and nobody can. Uh, so you got to go based on what what has been said and what you believe, and uh, and then if things go in a different direction or work out differently, uh, that's what that's what you you got to deal with at that particular time. And I think that's all I could do. Right, and and that's the last thing is that do you is there anything you wish that not wish but that you look back? I wish I had done this differently. Anything? Yes, and, okay. and, but I could say that. Yes, and specifically, uh, I wish we'd have been, you know, sixteen and zero <laughs> yes, uh, every, every year, right? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, but but even in the in, in the details, um, yeah, I I would say there are some things that uh, I'm doing differently today because I know some of the some of the things that I took on uh, as, as as being a head coach uh, and being my first time, you know, I was learning. Right. As I was going along, and I had some really good support, and uh, and I I didn't have a support in other areas in other areas. Right. So, um, you know, I, I would do <clears throat> I could do things differently uh, from from that standpoint, and I'm doing them now, or doing trying to do them better. Like what? And I have a, a different kind of support uh, because I'm I'm older, I guess, and right. uh, I learn from my mistakes. But I could say that about everything, even as Absolutely. an NFL player, as an NFL quarterback. Uh, uh, you know, when life's circumstances don't uh, necessarily, uh, you know, it's not uh, uh, it's not roses for any football player because every football player has to work hard. You have to have uh, a toughness, and you have to be able to get better all the time and maintain your your talent. Not just maintain your talent, but you really have to get better every single year because there's great athletes that are coming to take all those positions away from the guys that are there. So you got to play, you know, it's, it's what is such, it's such a great thing about uh, playing that game, this game and being on a team and, and things of that nature. It, it's not every day you get to go bike riding with the president either too in a job. Huh. <laughs> yeah. are, are you still, are you still doing a lot of bike riding? I am good. Not at the present. Not at not the present. I hope not. Yeah. But, uh, but before I, uh, yeah, before we uh, went to camp, yeah, I was doing uh, a lot. There's a, a lot of riding up here. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm still exploring. That, that's that's great. Again, that's your nature, Jim. Listen, I appreciate you taking some time out to talk with me. It was great catching up with you, and good luck with the coaching there, Savell, and good luck this Saturday. Hey, I appreciate it. I will see you there. After this break, I'll be back with some thoughts on trading the second pick, as well as some on Vernon Davis. Welcome back. 
I answer one leftover mailbag question and give a little context to Vernon Davis's career. So let's get to the mailbag question from J Markowitz at JS and Markow, M-A-R-K-O-W. So he wants to know to trade the second pick or not to trade the second pick. That is the question. So I guess we're doing a little Shakespeare right now. But anyway, Jay, that will be the question for the next few months. We'll be discussing this for a while, but my initial thoughts are pretty simple. If you think Chase Young can be a transformative player, a game changer for that defense, then you don't trade the pick. They lack elite players. He can be an elite player potentially. I had one evaluator tell me that he's the kind of guy that can help your team go 12-4. and four. He pointed out some other guys and some other guys on the roster at the pass rusher position who he felt were more like eight and eight guys. Now, of course, this is if Young hits. There's no guarantee that he'll hit, just like there's no guarantee that Joe Burrow will be the same quarterback in the NFL that he was this past year for LSU. And just like there's no safe pick after number two either. Just getting more picks doesn't mean you're going to hit on more guys. You have more chances doesn't mean it'll work. So everything comes with a level of risk. Each player carries a level of risk or uncertainty. That's true with the trade, whether you do or you don't. But if the Redskins rate corner Jeffrey Okuda or linebacker Isaiah Simmons, for example, at or near the same level as Young, then I think you have to look at trading back. Both those players can be impact guys too. Then you'd have a couple more picks, and they do need to get some more guys. It depends on two on what they do in free agency. What if they do get a corner free agency? Well, then you don't need a Jeffrey Okuda necessarily. Or what if you get, what if you still need a left tackle or need a, need a tackle? Maybe you need some more picks higher in the draft. So there's a lot of mitigating factors here. And the, the assumption has long been that Miami would be the trade partner because it has two other first round picks. So that makes sense. But there are some things to consider here. They can offer more. So with other teams right behind them, the Chargers and the Panthers, for example, knowing this, it also means they may need, they might only need to move to the third spot in order to take Tua Tagovailoa if that's who they want to take. That's the assumption, of course. The Chargers and the Panthers could move up, but if they're scared off by what Carolina what the cost might be, then they may just be content to staying there. Um, and you know, and and so it may mean that the third pick might be the sweet spot. And I've kind of heard that a couple times. Long way to go. Um, I think the assumption is, too, that Carolina is going to draft a quarterback. That might be incorrect as well, depending on what they truly feel about Cam Newton, who still has another year left on his contract. Um, so, you know, there's so many factors that, that are going to come into play with not only whether or not the Redskins should, but where would the team be willing to move up to or where, where would they feel they need to move up to to get that. So that's why the third pick might actually be the sweet spot for Miami. And again, that's just a guess. And again, it's what I've heard a couple times then it would depend, of course, on what else Miami offers. I'd want another number one this year, probably a second this year, and maybe a one next year as well. The evaluator I spoke to said he'd want two draft picks and a player in return, but he would not look to trade the pick because he feels young is that good. Now, that's just one opinion. And let me say this. The reason why I also bring up getting a one for next year is because if Dwayne Haskins doesn't hit, if he doesn't, and I'm, I'm there's no guarantee that he's going to continue to improve. There are things that these guys want to see. And I think that's why they've been said some of the things they have, that they like how he finished, but they still aren't sold yet that they have their guy for the next 5, 10 years. So if that's the case, let's say that Dwayne Haskins goes out there, doesn't have a good year. 
Well, if you have an extra first-round pick in your arsenal next year, you have more to move up with if you wanted to go that way. And if you don't, then you still have two first-round picks, and you can still get some, get, add some more young talent that way. I think you have to consider all, because what if a silly offer is made just because someone loves Tua that much and is confident in his health? Personally, I think that's a lot to give up for him because of the durability concerns, but he plays quarterback, and he is damn good. And then the final factor, what do those teams think of Justin Herbert, Jordan Love? So saying the Redskins should trade the pick is all well and good, but I don't think it's that easy. The team on the other end might be the one with more control or maybe more options. And if the return isn't good, then it's just not worth it for the Redskins. They need elite talent, not just more picks. Okay, now I want to get on to... Um, I guess one big thought on Vernon Davis now that he's retired. And I wanted to acknowledge the end of his NFL career and share some level of insight into what made him such a good player for so long. There's a consistency to him. And you could see that in his approach. He would catch extra passes off the judge machine after every practice. He'd go home and catch tennis balls shot at him as well just to keep working on his hands, work on his hands, work on his hands. He stretched. He took care of his body. And he also matured as a pro as he developed. Early in his career, he told me before that he would do a lot of young men in the NFL do, and heck, a lot of young men anywhere, go to clubs, chase women. But he also wanted to have a long career, so he knew he had to rededicate himself to being able to have one. And I also think he was taking a certain approach with these things when he first got to the NFL, because one thing he did tell me too is you can't just decide midway through that now you're going to take it seriously. You have to take it seriously, but you also have to, you know, while you're doing your chore, your jobs over here, you eventually realize you've got to take care of it over here as well. I think that's what he kind of got to. Um, I think he, he realized he wanted to have a long career, so he knew he had to rededicate himself to being able to have one. Later, while in San Francisco, he also realized that he was starting to have too many things outside of football. When, he, when the Redskins signed him, I had some people tell me that, that they felt he was done because he had so many outside interests. And he admitted to me that that was the case. And in recent years, his focus during the season was only on football. If you asked him a question about his outside interest during the season, he would tell you. I'll talk about that after the season. Once the season began, it was all football. Nothing about movies, all football. Because he didn't want anyone to think that his mind wasn't on football. And it's how he lasted until he was 35 years old and could still run past linebackers. I mean, he was a bit of an athletic marvel at times. Davis would have been an excellent complimentary tight end to Jordan Reed had Reed been able to stay healthy. Davis's speed, and I think that's one of the big regrets here with this talent that you had in that room, is Davis's speed and Reed's quickness in winning those one-on-one battles would result in mismatches when both were on the field. Big plays, would, that's when you'd get some big plays. But when Davis needed to play Reed's role as he had too often, he couldn't win as quickly off the line. And there were, there were plays and examples of plays right see Davis try to set the linebacker and you know cut in cut back out and it's a it's a route that it's it's something that Jordan Reed does exceptionally well but not Davis he wasn't quick he was fast so that those quick steps he would he sometimes could not create the separation and it would lead to passes that should have been open but weren't but when he's paired against the linebacker you could see him running past him for a long game he was Again, an amazing talent. The consist- that consistency showed with how he dealt with everyone in the building, including the media. He was always smiling. If you said hello to him, he would smile and say hello back. He would ask how you're doing. 
You know, he was always upbeat, always cordial. If you only wanted to know, when you're talking, when you were interviewing him, if you only wanted to know what made, say, like the defense they were playing that week good, he would give you a sound bite that TVs could run with, and that would work okay. If you pressed him for more details, well, there weren't always more details that he could give. And so I think there was sometimes you're like, okay, you know, there were some just sound bites. But if you ask him about various aspects of the position or about something he was passionate about with football, that's when you'd see the real Davis, when you'd get some really good answers. Um, he was, you know, and so I think that's why, to me, all those reasons are why he was fun to cover and a true professional, and he's earned a good send-off. Well, that's it for this week. A big thank you to Jim Zorn for joining me and to the Seattle Dragons PR chief, Jim Chrisman, for lining it up. Check out the XFL. I know I'm going to do that a couple times just to see what it's about. And as always, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.